0: celebrate new life in Christ. This is uh, why we exist as a movement. It's to connect people to Jesus. And hey, if you are in a place in your life where you're turning to God for the first time or you're looking for a place to connect with God, we just want you to know how welcomed you are here. Uh, we're not about being a big religious tradition or a big building We simply are people who've found that in Jesus, who's God, all of our needs are met and all of our problems are solved, our sins are forgiven, and we want that for you. We want that joy in your life, that peace in your life. So uh, whether you're new to considering God or you've been walking with God for decades, I'm just thrilled that you're here with us. And welcome as well to our Avon campus. It is so fun to see the movement of God growing now as this building overflows And overflows into the next door community of Avon. Uh, Pretty awesome to see what God's doing there. Well, we're in a series where we're really talking about you and your story. It's called Origin Story. And it's about where you've come from and where you're going and who you are. And today we're going to talk about really the difficulties that you're facing in your life right now. We're going to refer to them as your giants. We're studying this classic story that uh, most people are familiar with called David and Goliath. And Goliath is the most famous giant that David faces. But we've seen in his story these last two weeks that Goliath wasn't the first, and in future weeks you're gonna see Goliath wasn't the last giant that David would face. And the same is true in our lives. We face giants really from the time we're born Uh, Until we face the giant of death, and we deal with that fear and insecurity of, you know, what's happening to my body? Where am I going to go for eternity? And between those two difficult bookends, there are hundreds of other giants that we'll face. Now, I know this is a serious topic, but I thought I would start with something a little bit funny, because um, I'm a dog lover, and I spent all week praying for you, thinking, you know, God, what are the different giants people are facing, and this one is... Uh, Actually, this would be great if this was the giant that we always face. This is one of those dogs that has gotten big, but it still thinks it's a puppy. And when I saw this, I was laughing so hard for two reasons. One, just the video in and of itself is hilarious, but someone dubbed some audio over the top of it. You'll have to listen closely, and that is also quite funny. Go ahead and take a look. I'm just going to scooch in right here, if you don't mind. Uh, Shh. Wouldn't it be great if all the giants we faced in life were that cuddly and that furry and that warm? So uh, I love that huge golden retriever still acting like a puppy. If you didn't hear the narrator, uh, he was saying, we've been trying to contact you about your car's extended warranty. And uh, I just thought that was hilarious. Well, here's the question today. What giant are you facing right now in your life? Uh, As I've been praying over our movement, I'm aware this week of a family that's facing the giant of cancer, many families in our movement facing that. A family that has a newborn that's in the neo-intensive, neonatal intensive care unit and, and the future's unsure. A brother in our church who is estranged from some of his family. Another adult man in our church whose father passed away and his father ne- never gave him that blessing that we all long for from our dad. And he's wrestling through how do I find my security when my my dad never gave me that blessing and he didn't honor me in the will. Uh, Whether it's finances or maybe it's the giant of parenting. You you want the best for your kids and you look at some of the decisions they're making or just the the challenges they face in this world and you think, how in the world are we gonna do this? You know, when you're facing a giant, uh, it's typical to feel Like, there's just no way I can do this. There's no way forward. I've felt that way at times in my life when I've had health battles. Thankfully, they're years ago now, but I remember being in a hospital bed uh, and having neurological symptoms where I was slurring my words and I uh, was numb on half of my body and thinking, you know, am I going to make it through this? Like, am I going to be able to provide for my family? Uh, Melanie and I, though God has given us three healthy kids right now that we're so grateful for, uh, in God's... You know, uh, what he's allowed in our life. We've had two different pregnancies that we've lost along the way. And I remember in each of those just feeling like, are we ever going to get through this? Now, I don't know where you might be feeling that in your life right now. Maybe you're uh, dealing with loss, or maybe you're trying to do what's right and there's just an obstacle. In David's story with Goliath, Goliath isn't just this random person who shows up on the scene. Goliath is part of an entire nation called the Philistines, and they want to come in to God's people's land, and they want to do three things. They want to kill, they want to steal, and they want to destroy. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you have a dream you've been pursuing, or a business you've been building, or something you've been trying to do for God, and it just feels like there are enemies who are against you. Here's the question we're going to ask as we each consider our own giant. How can you be sure that your giant falls? How can you be sure your giant falls? Now, next week, make sure you don't miss it. It's a great week to invite for. We're going to talk about defeating your Goliath, defeating your giant. Today, we have to do a little bit of prep work, a little bit of groundwork to face these giants. And that is actually standing up, showing up like David does to actually look your giant in the face. To stop cowering down, to stop turning your back, to stop, you know, kind of having your head down, but to actually lift yourself up and face your giant. How can you be sure that your giant falls? If I could tell you today how to face your giant in such a way that sets you up so that next week as you continue to learn from God, you can be sure your giant falls, would you want to know? Would you want to know the example that God gives us in scripture? Here's how to face your giant. Well, that's what God's teaching us today. We're gonna jump right into the action. This is the moment where David and Goliath, and we've seen this is a literal, physical valley over in Israel, you can visit it today, and there are mountain ranges on each side of the valley. And the Israelite army is on one side, the Philistine army is on the other, and David and Goliath face off in the middle of this valley. We're gonna pick up right in the middle of their trash talk They're like walking toward each other and they start hurling insults at each other. We'll get more color and detail on those uh, later today. But here's really the moment I want to focus on. David is talking to his giant. And, And just absorb this for yourself as you're facing your giant. And he says, today the Lord will conquer you. And the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And then David continues, and look at this. He's not saying, I'm such a skilled warrior. I'm going to take you down. I can figure this out. Look what he says in verse 47. This is the Lord's battle, and it's God who's going to deliver you over to the good guys to our side. I wonder, have you considered whatever battle you're facing, whatever struggle you're in, whatever difficulty you're in, have you considered that it is the Lord's battle? Have you called out to God in your struggle with an attitude like David that says, God, I can't do this without you, but I believe that through Jesus you're for me. I believe that you're with me. David continues and he says this, everyone assembled here is gonna see today through this struggle that the Lord rescues his people. He might not use swords. He might not use spears. He might not use the way we expect But he always rescues his people. And so back to our question. How can you be sure you survive the difficulty you're in? The answer is this. Giants fall in the face of Godward faith. How can you be sure your giant falls? Well, it it won't without a Godward faith. I wonder, are you ready to receive from God today about the giant in your life? Right now, would you just open your heart, just you and God, and say, God, in the difficulty I'm facing, in the struggle I'm in, I want your help. I want to learn to have a Godward faith like David did. You could put it this way, you can't, but God can. You can't, but God can. Whether it's a health struggle, a financial struggle, a relationship struggle, maybe you're having an internal emotional struggle, you're dealing with depression or discouragement. In all of our lives, there will be some giants, there will be some obstacles, there will be some difficulties where in our own strength we can't, but God can. And so the question for you is, will you really turn to God in a way that says, God, you're my only hope through this, and I trust that you're gonna deliver me from this. Maybe not by sword or spear. In other words, maybe not through the diagnosis I want, Maybe not that the person estranged from me calls me up today and says, Hey, guess what? I forgive you for everything. Let's go on vacation together. Maybe not the way you want, but God will deliver if you'll keep looking to him. Now, here's what we've learned so far as we've been studying David's life. Week one, we learned that you actually have the power to turn the dial on your story. You can turn your story from uh, terrible or bad or meh to good, to better, to best. But the way you turn your dial isn't with your hand, it's actually with your eyes. What you fix your eyes on and your mind on will determine the trajectory of your life story. And we've seen from David that a good story, a better story, even a best story, does not mean a story free from struggle. It doesn't mean you won't go through difficulty, but it means that at the end of your life you look back and there are rich relationships and you lived a life of purpose and fulfillment. And at the end of your life on earth, you're confident about where you're going for eternity and you look back and you say, that was a good life. Or if you choose to do this day after day, month after month, year after year, you look back at your life and with full confidence, you say, I lived my best life. I don't have any regrets. And the way you turn that dial is by turning your vision Godward. Now, if you do this for a weekend or a moment, that's good, you'll have a little blip of hope. But the real key here is to live this way, day after day, week after week, month after month, and that's why it's so important for you to have a church family where you've got brothers and sisters who are helping you when you don't know what to do in your career, when you're praying for your child, or when you feel like your marriage is just falling apart, you've got brothers and sisters who've been through it. I'm telling you guys, in our movement, there are people who've been through what you're going through right now. And it's as you get involved serving, and as you get involved in a small group, and as you talk to people when you're here on a weekend, God will lead you. Maybe you're a widow. There's dozens of widows here. There are groups for grieving. There are groups for divorce care. There are groups for parenting. And God will bring you the right people who will help you have a God word focus. So since week one, question for all of us who are here, and if you're just joining us now, how's your dial been? I know that for me, my dial, it, it automatically defaults, that is it turns back. It'll either look backwards at the people who've wronged me or it'll look down at the things I'm discouraged about or my dial, my dial loves to go to inward. That is just, I'm, my feelings are so big and we live in a society that kind of worships our feelings. You know, If you feel like doing it, do it and if you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. Man, if you worship your feelings, it's a, it's a cruel God. Your feelings will not lead you to victory. Your feelings will not lead you to your best life. What's your dial bent on? And if we want to be like David, if we want to see God's best in our story, we have to kind of with the hand of our soul move that dial, move our vision Godward day after day, week after week. Which, by the way, you're doing it right now. So way to go. Second thing, on week two we saw that God has breakthrough moments for you in your story. David was just a shepherd boy. He's just watching the sheep. In fact, when the prophet comes to anoint the next king and they know it's gonna be one of the guys in David's family, the dad invites everyone. He doesn't even invite David. He's overlooked. But he has this breakthrough moment because he's faithfully serving with a big view of God. And we've seen that David doesn't just have one breakthrough moment, he has multiples. And God will have multiple breakthrough moments for you, but you'll miss them if you're not serving, if you're not living with a big view of God, don't miss your breakthrough moments. Well, let's rewind now to this moment where David, ha- because he's serving, his dad sends him 15 miles over the mountains carrying food to the front lines of this battle between the Philistines, who want to invade Israel. They want to burn homes, enslave the wives, enslave the children, kill all the men. They're not just wanting to fight a little fight and then take a tourist visit of Israel and leave. They want to destroy, they want to take over. And God sends David, as he's faithfully serving, to the front lines. When he arrives in chapter 17, verse 28, his oldest brother, Eliab, hears him talking and listen to this. What are you doing around here anyway, David? You don't even belong here, you're a kid. And then he says this, what about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? And then his older brother just like totally judges his motives. He says, I know about your pride. I know about how deceitful you are. You're just here to kind of rubberneck. You you want to come and watch the battle. And I want you to think right now about the negative voices in your life as you face your giant. Maybe your giant is debt, and the negative voice is saying you'll never get out of debt. Maybe the giant is uh, your marriage, and the negative voice says there's no hope for my marriage. Maybe the giant is depression, and the negative voice says, you're never going to get out of this. This is how you're going to feel until it ends. Maybe the negative voices are even worse. David had these negative voices, and not just one, but multiples. Verse 31 tells us that King Saul then sends for David, and then David in verse 32 tells the king, hey, I can go fight this Philistine. I can go fight this giant because God's with me. I'll go fight him. And now the king is gonna also speak negativity to David. He says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. I mean, that's when you know you're facing a giant is when there's voices in your own head or in your family or in your workplace that says, there's no way you can do this. We face this as a movement with the vision God's given us to keep reaching new people for Jesus. There's times where it's like, man, look at all the forces against us in the world. There's no way we could do this. And if we dwelled on those voices, if you dwell, if you listen to the voices that say you can't do it, it'll paralyze you. But David's a great example. He doesn't doesn't dwell on what those people say. He just kind of brushes it aside. How's he able to do that? It's because he's got that big view of God. God is always the biggest person in the room in your story. And he's waiting for you to look to him. God can be the loudest voice in your head and in your heart. But you've got to turn your dial. You've got to listen to him. So here's the first step on your path to actually face your giant. Understand that there will be people who say you can't. And if you're anything like me, it might be yourself. I've had to learn to not listen to myself. If I listened to myself, I I wouldn't have done most of the good things that I've been able to do in my life. Whether the voice comes from within, or from critics without, or sometimes even from the demonic realm. Satan, a fallen angel who, who is a real being. Satan, I hope you know, is why death exists, why pain and suffering exist, why cancer exists. He came into this world to kill and steal and destroy. And one of Satan's titles in the Bible is the accuser of God's people. Satan loves to undermine, and and typically he'll use um, lies that are 90% true and 10% deadly. He mixes in just a little bit of deadly error with an idea in your head. Because think about it, what what David's oldest brother said was, was kind of true. The sheep he was watching, that was a pretty humble job. What King Saul said was kind of true. He never had faced a warrior like this. There was truth in those things. And and Satan sometimes or demonic forces will whisper things to you. You'll never be the kind of dad you want to be. You'll never break this addiction cycle. You'll never, I mean, look at your parents and your grandparents. Your family's been verbally like this, verbally abusive forever. What makes you think you can change? And this is why you gotta know step number two. Your naysayers, they would be correct sometimes if God wasn't in the picture. Is God in your picture? Many of these things in life, you wanna break an addiction, you wanna restore a marriage, you can't do it. But through Christ, you can do all the things that God has called you to do. And you're sitting in a room or you're watching online and you're part of a movement of thousands of people where whatever giant you're facing, there are people in our movement who have seen that giant tumble and they've stepped right over it and they've continued on into a better life, but they've done it because God was in the picture. Earlier, we looked at how David was always talking about God. Even when he and Goliath are facing off and they're taunting each other, all of David's taunts are about God. Is God in your picture? Have you invited him into the specific battle that you're facing right now? Here's how David responds to King Saul when he says, there's no way you can fight this guy. David points to God. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear. Now think about that. The lion and the bear, those were giants that David faced prior to Goliath, and God prepared him through those. Some of the giants you face in your life are preparing you for bigger giants in the future. You might be facing a lion or a bear right now, or maybe you're facing your Goliath, but... No matter what the giant is, it's got to be the Lord who rescues you if you want to win time after time against these giants. And so what David says is, uh, Saul, you're right. I've never fought a nine-foot-tall warrior who's covered in metal armor. I've never done that. But when I faced a lion and a bear, it was God who rescued me, and that same God is with me today, and he will rescue me. Some of you are here today and and God wants you right now to just pause and let the Holy Spirit remind you of times in your past when God rescued you. When you were sick and you didn't know if you'd get better and guess what, he did heal you. Or you had a relationship that seemed broken beyond repair and guess what, he did heal it. And some of you, you've been walking with God long enough to, to let the Spirit of God today work in you to say, God has done this before and God can do this again. Others of you, maybe you're newer in your relationship with God and you're just seeking God today. I want to encourage you, whether you're facing a lion or a bear, whatever giant you're facing, if you will turn to God, if you'll call out to Jesus to be your savior and your help and you'll actually look to him day after day, he will rescue you and then in the future he'll rescue you again. So verse 38, King Saul gives David his own armor, bronze helmet and a coat of mail that is not postage mail that is like the mesh metal stuff to prevent a spear or a sword from going through david puts on saul's armor verse 39 he straps the sword over top of it he tries to take a step or two and i mean it's heavy it's metal david's smaller than king saul at this point he'd never worn such things so verse 39 he says i can't go in these i'm not used to these things so david takes them off then what does he do verse 40 He goes to a stream, and he picks up five smooth stones. Now, if you've ever skipped rocks on the water, you know that um, it's a little bit of an art finding the right stones. How does David know how to quickly pick up the right kind of stone for a slingshot? Well, it was through his humble service, in faithful preparation, out as a shepherd in the fields, that he had honed this skill of kind of looking and scanning, that's the kind of rock I need. Oh, I, I can really hurl a rock like that. He puts them where? Into his shepherd's bag. In other words, there's no new armor. This is the same David that fought the bear and the lion. He's going to use the same tools. Armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he starts across the valley. I just want you to visualize this. Use your mind's eye and your imagination. Visualize. There's a million soldiers on each side They're all in metal armor. They've got sharp spears and javelins and swords, maybe some bows and arrows. There's some horses out there, some chariots. And and out comes this nine-foot-tall warrior. He's covered in metal, head-to-toe pretty much, other than his face. And then here comes this tiny shepherd boy. He doesn't have a shield. He doesn't, I mean, if Goliath throws his javelin at him and it gets him, like, he's just done. That's it. It's a one-shot shot I want you to notice this contrast. In fact, I've pulled up some historic imagery. This is actual armor from this region of the world from this time, which is about 1,000 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's the bronze armor. That's the kind of shield. You can see the sword. And on the far right, you see the tip of one of these spears or javelins, which would have been really sharpened to a point. And a guy like Goliath, who's a seasoned warrior historians tell us, I mean, they could hurl these javelins, you know, 30 yards sometime and, and nail someone while they're moving. In fact, it's probably because David was so unexpected and humble looking might be part of the reason that Goliath didn't do that. Because he's thinking, oh, I'm going to kill this guy up close. I mean, why even bother with this little guy? Now, I want you to contrast that armor. And, and think of David. I mean, wouldn't it be logical, even if the other stuff was too heavy, like I know I would be like, well, at least I'll take the shield, you know? Like I could have my sling in one hand, and, you know, if he throws the, the spear at me, I can at least, you know, put my shield up. David doesn't take any of it. Look at this contrast. Here's David's weaponry. It's a little piece of leather. It's a little bit of twine. And it's five stones out of the brook. Now, I want you to think on something a little bit deep here. I want you to think about the elegance of the slingshot how brilliantly unthinkably superior god's plans are to ours two million soldiers there not a single one would think to do this and it's not because of david's skill alone now through faithful service he had developed that skill but this is god level thinking we look at our problems and we're like i need a diagnosis that i'm cancer free I need the person who who doesn't like me to come back to me. I need the dad who passed away and didn't give me his blessing. I somehow need to get his blessing. We think at that level, God has this elegant, brilliant, superior way. His ways are not our own. And and he has a way of solving our problems, which are always attached to a deeper need. Affirmation, security, security peace and a lot of times we're not even aware i'm seeking approval from that person or i'm seeking finances because i'm looking for security i'm looking for affirmation and god who knows all things he sees right through and he sees i know your inner need i may have an elegant simple god-level superior way of meeting your need but you're clinging to the armor and it's weighing you down Step number three to go face your giant is this, God's method for defeating your Goliath. It may be unexpected, and it may look impossible. I mean, think about this. When God said, I'm gonna solve um, war and death and evil for all of humanity, he didn't send a nuclear bomb. He sent a baby in a manger. I mean, God has this way of thinking that, I'm telling you guys, when we get to the end of this age, And we're in eternity and we look back. We're going to see slingshot elegance, brilliant superiority in God's way of solving problems. And I'm convinced that in our own battles against dozens of giants through our lifetime, we miss out on victories that God might have because we're clinging to the sword. We're clinging to the shield. We're saying, I can't let go of this shield I mean, God, don't you realize there are are spears and javelins coming my way? I can't let go of this. And sometimes in love, God kind of gently pries our fingers off and we're saying, God, I don't want to let go of that. He's saying, trust me that I'm bigger. Trust me that the battle belongs to me. Trust me that I have a way of solving this and meeting your deeper need that you could never imagine, you could never orchestrate, you could never manipulate. But because I'm almighty God, I can do this for you. If David had clung to his armor, he wouldn't have seen this victory. So I just wonder, what are you clinging to right now that it's not a bad thing? And believe it or not, God wants to heal and help more than you think. But God wants you to cling to him instead. He wants you to walk out and as you face off with that giant, have the confidence of David that says, it's because of the Lord Almighty that I'm going to prevail in this situation. It's not because of my attorney. It's not because of my finances not because my body's perfectly healthy it's not because everyone I want to like me likes me it's because the Lord of heaven I have put myself on his side through Jesus now next week we're going to go way deeper in that and uh it's it's pretty cool stuff from the word of God I can't wait for next week look at verse 41 Goliath walks out towards David Goliath's got his shield bearer and he's sneering and contempt at this young boy ruddy-faced You know, pink cheeks. That's actually the word of God. So, you know, David is incapable in and of himself. He is a little kid going out to fight a grizzled warrior. And I love what Goliath says. Here's the ancient trash talk. Am I a dog? He roars at David. that you come at me with a stick? And then he curses David by the names of his gods. Very interesting, step four, as you face up with your giant, is this, the real battle is a spiritual battle. Even Goliath, you got two million people there, and they all think it's about flesh and blood. You got a nine foot tall muscular guy versus a kind of lanky shepherd guy, that's what they see at the human level, what God sees, is that there's, there's an army that's been motivated to destroy God's people. And God's going to step in and protect his people. You know, we're told in the New Testament as followers of Jesus that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against rulers and authorities in the unseen realm. In other words, as followers of Jesus, our enemy is never another person, even if that person's coming at us to destroy us, and I believe it's okay to defend yourself if that's the case, but if an enemy, a physical person is coming at you, your actual enemy is in the unseen realm. Now, the reason sometimes people come at us and people are evil toward us is that many people are slaves to evil and to sin. Many people are are living their whole life. You picture that Philistine army, a million men. You can picture that as these are the people in the world who they don't yet know Jesus. They're not free from sin. And sometimes even if they mean well, the enemy can distort their thinking and use them to do evil. Or if it's easier for you, you can picture that army as actual the unseen forces themselves. But the reality is the real battles in our lives are spiritual. You know that Satan and his forces, they want to destroy your home. He wants to kill and steal and destroy. He wants the minds of your children. He wants to ruin your business. He wants to take your peace. He wants to take your joy. He wants to destroy your marriage. And his primary method of this is not swords and spears. It's deception. It's ideas. And he knows that if he can get your mind, if he can get into your thinking, if he can make you doubt that God is good, if he can make you doubt that God is for you, if he can convince you to not turn to God, if he can convince you that you're strong enough in your own, then he's already won. The real battles in the spiritual realm, and that, I mean, takes us back to that big idea. I can't win the biggest battles in my life apart from God. But in Christ, I can And when these battles you're facing, when you realize there's an unseen realm, there are actual supernatural beings in the unseen realm that want to destroy your kids, that want to destroy your family, it creates this uh, humble dependence, God, I need you. God, we can't do this without you. Verse 44, Goliath continues, he says, come over here, I'll give your flesh to to the birds and the wild animals. I love that. And Goliath, this is not like some hyperbole of like he's exaggerating. He's literally planning within the next few seconds um, to put a sword through David. And, and here's the reality. One of these two guys will not walk out of this field, this valley, alive. One of them, their, their body is gonna become you know, a corpse and it's gonna bleed out into that soil. This, this is a literal battle And what Goliath is saying here, this is the expected outcome. (laughs) Two million people looking on, they're all like, yeah, that's probably what's going to (laughs) happen. But as we've seen, David has this big view of God. Look how he replies, verse 45. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin. I hope you know if you're a follower of Christ, um, what what does 1 Peter say? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. When, when, when you see the enemy at work in the world, we don't taunt him based on our own strength. But in Christ, you can say, enemy, you have no place in my household. You don't have a place in my thoughts. You don't have a place in my marriage. Yeah, may, maybe I've uh, inherited some things from the family I grew up in that are broken, but I know a God who restores. And I'm a new creation in Christ. And you, you can mimic what David is doing here as a follower of Jesus, because God tells you this, and we'll look more at this later, in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. In other words, victory is already yours against your enemies, but it's not yours through you striving, through you straining, through you putting a bunch of armor on yourself. It's yours through God. David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, And by the way, this is the God that you've defied. I want to encourage you to not let your view of victory be limited to just the moment that you're in. David goes through all kinds of battles. After Goliath, he'll go through many more, but he never loses sight. My God is bigger. My God wins in the end. And I'm not just saying, hey, I'm going to win because God's on my side. I'm saying I've chosen to put my life on God's side. That's why I know I'm going to win. In Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. What does this mean for you? Well, he promises that he's a father to the fatherless. He promises that he's near to the brokenhearted. He promises when you think, am I gonna have enough? He says, I'll give you your daily bread. He promises when you, you look around, and you think, oh man, other people have these great inheritances. I get nothing from my family. I didn't even have a family that even knows me. You know what? If you're in Christ, you are a co-heir with Christ Jesus. In other words, your inheritance is all of heaven and earth in eternity. You own it all through Jesus. He's a God who raises the dead. That's one of his promises. He takes things that are hopelessly dead and he raises them to life. That's one of his promises. He's a God who restores what the locusts have eaten. In other words, when evil has come into your life and evil has destroyed, he's a God who heals and who restores. Do you know the promises of God? God's got, you know, in this book, and if you don't have a life application study Bible, we'll give you one out at our Connection Corner. uh, Online, you can just let the online hosts know because there are thousands of promises in here for you. And here's been my experience. When I'm facing a giant, I have to find the promises of God that relate to that giant. When I faced the giant of identity, who am I? I'm not who my family said, but who am I in the world? I, I had to look, who does God say I am? I'm adopted, I'm loved, I'm wanted, I have a future, I have gifts, those things are true of you in Christ. You've got to find the promises of God, and if you don't know how to find them, ask one of our pastors, ask people in your small group. There are promises of God for what you're going through, thousands of them. Now, I'm going to give you just one promise, and this will be particularly meaningful, I think, for those of you who've lost a loved one. Or maybe you're on the verge of losing a loved one. Or maybe you're facing mortality through, through some kind of diagnosis that you realize my days on earth are numbered. Here is just one of the promises of God. It's true for everyone who's believed in Jesus. It's found in Isaiah 25. This is talking about the future. This is what heaven, eternity is going to be like. It's not boring. Check out how tangible and tasty God's future is for you. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies, that's a phrase David used, will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. Does this mean that just everyone gets to heaven? No, what it means is God has called people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, every race, every ethnicity. God loves all people. And he desires that all people would come to salvation and he offers it to all people. And Christ won't return until people from every race and tribe and tongue have believed in Jesus. And when we gather there, we're gonna look out and see this sea Of people from all different walks of life. And look at verse 6. It will be a delicious banquet. With clear, well aged wine. And choice meat. So heaven's not going to be boring. It's going to be like the best party you've ever been to. In that like the food. You're going to taste stuff and be like. I've never tasted anything like this. I've never experienced anything like this. Look at verse 7. There. God will remove the cloud of gloom. Maybe the giant you're facing is depression or discouragement. Uh, Maybe for biological reasons or or chemical reasons or life reasons, you just can't get out from under a cloud of gloom. Did you know that your future in Christ, if you've believed in Jesus, he's going to remove the cloud of gloom forever? Never a melancholy day again in heaven. The shadow of death that hangs over earth he'll remove. So think of death and all the things attached to it. Sickness, hospitals, MRIs, caskets, funerals. All that's gonna be gone. Verse eight, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. If you go to the very end of the Bible, the book of Revelation says some of these same things in slightly different language. He's gonna wipe away the last tear from your eye. You know that if you've believed in Jesus, uh, there will be a time when you cry your last tear, and then you're going to have 100 years, 1,000 years, 10,000 years, all of eternity with no more tears through Jesus. He will remove forever all the insults and mockery. Is your giant that you've made some mistakes in life or other people have labeled you? and you feel like there's shame, there's guilt that you can't outrun, did you know that the promise of God through Jesus is that in your future, he will remove that from you? You'll never be known as that person again. It will be washed away, separated as far as the east is from the west. Against his land and against his people, the Lord, the Lord has not, he's not saying the Lord has spoken against, but whatever insults were against his people, he will remove. In that day, the people will proclaim, This is our God, we trusted in him, and he saved us. I just love those three lines because this is your future. As you continue to believe in Jesus through the difficulty, through the struggle, there will be a future moment where you'll look back, And you'll be able to say, this is our God. Like, now we get to see the glory. What we believed by faith, we now see with our eyes. We feel it in our souls and in our spirits. And we kept trusting him when it didn't make sense. We kept trusting him when it looked impossible. We kept trusting him as we faced giant after giant. Verse 9, this is the Lord in whom we trusted. I just want to encourage you, where you've got a little bit of faith, pray that prayer that says, God, I believe, help my unbelief strengthen my faith God I'm facing giants and I don't know how they're going to fall but I know that you win strengthen my faith God I trust in you well this is clearly the way that David lived let's jump right back into him and Goliath taunting each other verse 46 after Goliath says I'm going to feed you to the birds and the wild animals you're going to bleed into the soil here David says, today the Lord will conquer you. And part of the reason for this, the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. I know if you love the Lord and live for him, sometimes you might look at the culture or voices that are against God in our world, and something rises up in you that says, this isn't right, and that justice will come. There will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and all the people who hated God Um, they're going to be bowing whether they like it or not, saying Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. But what I want to tell you today is that right now in the struggle, on the battlefield, God is looking for hearts like David's. When two million people only have their eyes on flesh and blood, God's looking for a woman, he's looking for a man, he's looking for a person who will lift their eyes and say, God's over all this, God wins in the end. I don't understand my pain. I don't understand my struggle, but I know He's gonna get me through it. And I know that because of His promises, He says He works all things for good. Maybe He's gonna use me being faithful in my struggle to bring someone else into the family of God and into heaven. Maybe he's going to use me being faithful in my struggle so that my kids see that this going to church and believing in God thing, it wasn't just a weekend tradition. It's real and it works in hospitals and it works in funeral homes and it works when life doesn't make sense. You just believe, God, I know you're not the author of evil, but if you're letting me go through this, you've got a plan for it and you're going to work it for good. This big view of God, verse 47, David says, everyone assembled here We've got this whole audience of two million other soldiers. They're all going to know that the Lord is a God who rescues his people. This is the Lord's battle. And this is uh, step five as you face your giant. When God does topple your giant, and as you stay in Christ, he will. Not a matter of if, but when. He will topple your giant. I know strong believers who, um, they have paralysis and they're in a wheelchair for the rest of their life on earth, but they live with joy every day, and they're bringing people to God. People say, how do you have so much joy? You're happier in a wheelchair than most of the people I know who are perfectly healthy, and they say, it's because Christ is in me, and the Holy Spirit is in me, and I have love and joy and peace and patience, and not only that, I know I have a body in heaven where I'll be dancing again, and as a result of them and their faith and their struggle, other people experience God? Are you choosing a bold faith in your struggle? If you will, just keep a Godward focus. Believe that he wins in the end. It'll change your kids and your grandkids. Those people you love who are far from God and you're praying that they'll come to God, it might be that through your difficulty and through your attitude about God in your difficulty that they come to salvation. I mentioned earlier one of the giants that I feel like I face and we face as a movement is I'll pray over the central Indiana region two million plus people and I thank God that there are thousands of people in our movement but I'll, I'll drive through neighborhoods or I'll go out to the soccer fields on a weekend and I'll look at all these young families in all these suburbs Knowing that the enemy is after every one of these kids, every one of these marriages, and that in Christ we have what they all want and need, and I just I have this burden, like God, use us to reach more people for you. And we face giants. We face obstacles as we do that. Satan doesn't want God setting captives free. On Easter Sunday, we launched our Avon campus with the prayer and the dream and the belief in God that God will continue to overflow this Brownsburg campus. And that God will someday have just as many people there in Avon, people who have come to Christ and have been set free from sin, families that have been changed, kids who would be growing up with an alcoholic dad and instead their dad's there at their soccer games coaching them and he's free from addiction and he's walking in peace and in joy and he's being a great husband. And I mean, as our Avon campus has started, we've had so many times as a leadership team and with many of you, I've said this as well, guys, only God can do this. We could have the perfect strategy. We could have funding. Only God can actually reach the people we're praying for in Avon and reach the people we're praying for in Brownsburg. I got to show you something uh, from a, a week ago, a week ago today. Uh, do you want to see the first student gathering? As this campus has started with a pretty humble start, and we've said, we can't do this, and this isn't about us, but God can do this, and this is about Jesus. And we've said, God, just bring people I want you to see the first uh, teen gathering at the Avon campus and just see how many people God's already using you to reach there in Avon. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. To God be the glory. Uh, Teens and volunteers together, 50 plus, for the first uh, official fall gathering Uh, For that campus. And I just want you to know. When God puts a dream on your heart. That is for others. And for God's glory. And you face obstacles. Stick with it. Be faithful. Serve faithfully with a big view of God. Keep praying that God is bigger. I also want you to know. In your own um, struggles. Addiction, failure, shame. Keep looking to God. Keep gathering here. Keep turning your dial Godward. He will get you through those things, and that's our sixth and final step. The battle belongs to the Lord. I mean, do you believe that? Do you really believe in your soul that God wins in the end? Do you believe that Jesus is king of kings? Do you believe that day's coming? And if you don't, maybe you say, I don't feel that way. There's a lot of days I don't feel that way. Belief is a choice. It's not a feeling. And so it's a choice to say, Jesus, I believe you win in the end, and in my cancer, in my struggle, in my depression, in my bankruptcy, in my discouragement, in my hospital bed, I believe that the battle belongs to you, God. I believe that you win in the end. Giants fall when Godward faith collides with God's faithfulness. And I would suggest to you that just as gravity is a physical force that's always at work on planet earth. God's faithfulness is a supernatural force that is always at work. And he's waiting for you to add the ingredient of a Godward faith. Actually believing that God's bigger than the relationship. He's bigger than the emotions. He's bigger than your health. He's bigger than your inner life. He's bigger than your mental health. He's bigger than shame. He's bigger than death. He's bigger than regret. Choose a Godward faith. Let it collide with his faithfulness. And in time you'll see those giants fall. Goliath would have killed David if the spirit of the Lord was not on David. And the reality is some of you are facing giants that will take you down if God's not with you, but he is with you and he's for you. And he wants to show you that he's he's stronger than you ever thought. Maybe you had strong faith in the past, but he wants to show you he's he's even stronger than you thought. David experienced victory by believing that God was bigger. You can experience the same kind of victory by believing that God is bigger. He's the God of empty tombs. He raises dead things to life. He does the impossible. All right, now, I wanna do something a little different. I'm gonna ask you to stand. In fact, even if you're watching online, would you stand with me? If you're driving, pull over first, please. I know some people watch this on Sundays while they're driving back from vacation, but okay, go ahead and close your eyes. Just you and God. I want you to visualize your giant, your Goliath. Don't worry about mine or your neighbor's. Your giant, visualize it. Are you facing the giant of debt? The giant of consequences, insecurity, addiction, depression? Maybe you feel like Satan himself, some force is against you. Physical, emotional, what's your giant? Picture it. Picture yourself like David. You're going out to face your Goliath. If you are in Jesus today, you can proclaim that the battle belongs to the Lord. We already know who wins against that giant. We already know how it ends. And right now in your pain and in your struggle, you get to choose which side you're on. You get to choose to say, God, I'm on your side. I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me Repeat after me saying, God, you're bigger. Go ahead, say it. I'm going to do it a couple more times so you can increase your volume, okay? Picture your giant. Look up to God in faith and say, God, you're bigger. All right, this is the third one. I expect it to be very loud. Picture your giant. Look up to God with Godward faith and say, God, you're bigger. Lord, that's what we believe today. We know that You are bigger. You're bigger than our emotions. You're bigger than our difficulties. You're bigger than the obstacles we face. You're bigger than Satan. You're bigger than this broken world. You're bigger than cancer. You're bigger than divorce. You're bigger than depression. You're bigger than our mistakes. Jesus, we thank you that through your death on the cross, your resurrection, all of us can freely receive the power of God in our lives to forgive our sins to adopt us into the family of God. Lord, speak your promises to your people this week. As they face giants, as we face giants, may we experience you like never before and may we believe that the battle belongs to the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that. And you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us. And please join me again next week for the Connection Point podcast.